ready, Diane, if uh, you're ready. And if you will, this morning, with your Bibles, get them open or your devices, if you're using electronic devices, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I want to continue in my series um, about living with the Word. And my message this morning is in sync, and it's not the boy band that I'm come to preach about today, but it's being in sync with heaven, being in sync with God. How many of you are familiar with the term in sync? Yeah, being in sync, synchronization, the gears, the timing, there's connection. If you, if, if you think of synchronization, you have to think of contact. You can have gears, they can be aligned, the timing can be set, but you don't have synchronization until they make contact and those gears mesh together and they're rolling and moving together. So I've selected the word sync, to be in sync. So I want you to think about that. Let's take a look at Jesus' comments. This is taken from the Last Supper. And in John chapter 15, Jesus said in verse 7 and in verse 16, If you abide in me, and if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So notice that Jesus says, if you abide in me and if my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you want and it'll be done. That is tremendous authority. That's kingdom authority right there. That's, that is absolute powerful and uh, influence as a, as a representative of the kingdom of God. Jesus left the door wide open for the application of great kingdom authority. Ask what you will and it will be done, but you must abide in me. My words must abide in you. So he says, he repeats it again. He says, I've chosen you. Just in case you're wondering, Jesus said basically, just in case you're wondering, this is not an option, this is a call. This is not something you can do if you want to. I've called you. If you're going to be a Christ follower, I have called <clears throat> and I've ordained you, <coughs> excuse me, to bear fruit. Now, if the Lord's ordained you to something, guess what? That means he knows you can do it. That means he's provided what you need to do it. So there's no question as to whether you're the person who he's talking about. You're the one. If Jesus is Lord, you're the one. If you believe him, if you follow him, you can bear fruit. So he said, I've called you. I've ordained you to bear fruit. I expect you to bear fruit. And <clears throat> your fruit should abide. So you're abiding in me. My word's abiding in you. You're going to bear fruit. And the fruit is going to abide so that whatever you ask the Father, <coughs> excuse me, he may give it to you. So notice that <clears throat> exercising the privilege of authority comes from abiding. <coughs> excuse me. I have a little dry hacky thing going on around here this morning. Um, praise God. The fruit that Jesus is talking about when he says, I've ordained you to, to bear fruit, the fruit that Jesus is talking about isn't the product of working, it's the result of abiding 
It's not something you're making. It's something that happens when you abide in him and his words abide in you. Think of it like this. What's real and what's true in heaven requires a sync, a synchronization with earth in order to have its transforming effect. So we believe a whole lot of awesome transformative ideas, but none of it ever comes to pass until a healthy sink takes place between heaven and earth. That's really what Jesus is saying when he says, abide in me and my words abide in you. Then you ask what you will, it will be done. It's through that sink that a portal of fulfillment is created so that what God has said that is true and real in heaven can happen on the earth. I understand people who aren't saved and people who don't know the Lord, or let's say people who are saved but they don't know the Lord that well. I understand the question, well, if if God is real or if God is love, why do these things happen? How come the Bible says these things but we don't see a lot of them happen? All of those questions can basically be answered in understanding Pardon me for using the term technology, the technology of the sync, the synchronization. If heaven and earth are not synced up, all the truth and the reality of God's word in heaven stays there. It doesn't impact the earth. It doesn't come to pass until what's on the earth syncs up with what's in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Why did Jesus have such tremendous victory and success over all the resistance in the world around him. In fact, we could say that uh, he was 100% successful in every endeavor that he undertook. He never went anywhere. He never opened his mouth without there being a result. And the devil couldn't stop him, though he tried every single day. Why was that? Because Jesus walked in perfect sync with heaven. Whatever was real, whatever was true in heaven was real and true in Jesus. He walked and he abode in that communion with the Father. And by the way, that's exactly what he was trying to give to you and I when he taught us how to pray. Pray like this, he said. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He was telling us, your prayer doesn't have the purpose of checking off a prayer box. I prayed my prayer today. It's not like we have a little feral cat that we've been feeding for years at our back door. It's not like the kitty comes up and you put the food out. That's not prayer. Prayer isn't coming and getting, you know, your little bowl. More soup, please. And God pours a little gruel in your bowl. Um, that, that's not what prayer is. There is a royal, kingdom-level, ambassadorial assignment that God is trying to involve us with. He said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And he didn't say that to the apostles. He didn't say that to the special, the elder, or any other particular special group. He said it to every believer, every Christ follower. I give you that prayer. Pray that prayer. Be that connection. Sync up. So everything that Jesus brought into the earth, everything that came with him, everything he offers depends on you being in sync with him in order for it to manifest. 
So all of these great promises, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, all of the promises of God are in Jesus, yes, and in him, amen, under the glory of God, by us. So you see, he's talking about a sink there in 2 Corinthians 1. He's saying God has collected all of his love, all of his promises, all of his intentions, and he's manifest them in himself coming to the earth as the Son. So when you see Jesus, you're seeing the love and the yes of God. So God is there. Jesus is knocking at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He is there saying yes. Then why doesn't the goodness and the answer just break through into our circumstances and start transforming everything? Because we have to open the door. We have to create the sink. We have to sync up. We have to get synchronized with him. Abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you will. It will be done. Hebrews chapter 1 has probably one of the greatest statements about the divinity of Jesus Christ and who he is and who he is to us in the entire Bible. And in, I'm going to just pick a little phrase out of uh, verse 2 and verse 3. Hebrews 1, 2 and 3 about Jesus. Listen to this. It's good. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed as the heir of all things through whom he created the world. Let's pause at that sentence. Remember I said that Jesus is God 100% taking his intention, his love, for God so loved the world, what he gave his only begotten son. God collects himself together and manifests himself in a statement to us. So the Bible says he is the heir of all things. What is it that he's to inherit? He's to inherit the world. But the world is broken in sin. That's right. He came to heal it. By receiving the world, he's going to bring it into harmony with heaven again. Praise the Lord. So it says, in these last days, God spoke in us by his son, whom he's appointed as the heir of all things, and through whom he created the world. By the way, it was Jesus. When God said, let there be light, that's, that was Jesus. He's acting. God acting is Jesus. Think of it like that. Remember, Philip said, well, show us the Father. We want to see the Father. The Bible says God is the invisible God. So we want to see the invisible God. It's Jesus. When the invisible God reveals himself, it's Jesus. When the invisible God, who seems abstract or distant, and he really isn't, speaks, it's Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. Does that make sense to anybody? I know it could kind of blow your mind, but you want to get your thoughts around that. So, so Jesus, he goes on to say, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. Here's the phrase for this morning. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Whew. Wow. He upholds the universe. So you think of all of, the, all of the solar systems and the stellar celestial bodies all being held up by the word of God's power. But then you think of the earth and everything in the world and, and how amazing and God holds it up. The world suffered a fracture, a break. Sin broke the world. Sin brought a curse. God put the world under man's authority and 
Adam abode in Jesus. And God's word abode in Adam. Everything the Father told Adam when he created him and told Eve abode in them. They believed it. They were living it. And so they were having that victory and that, that beauty and uh, fulfilling the mission to rule over the earth and have dominion until the devil, devil came along. And what did he do? He attacked the word. Has God said? He attacked the word. He knew, I can break this sink. I can unsynchronize them simply by getting man to disbelieve the word of God, to act against it, to question. And so the devil comes along, and the devil has never invented anything. The only thing he can do is he can mess with what God has done and try to rewrite it, reform it, and repackage it. So he's a great repackager. And so he repackages for, for Adam and Eve what God has said. He says, well, let me help you, and let me just tell you what God meant. And uh, so when you, when you pay a hundred and some odd thousand dollars or more to send your kids to higher ed get a higher education, they take four years and they help your kids find out what God really meant. They interpret what God really said, so by the time you get them back, they're ruined. And they're wise to the world, useless to God, and they need a lot of help. So at any rate, he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And uh, the Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. And it's just amazing thought. God's power flows through his word. I think that that's the takeaway from that verse. God's power flows through his word. So when we, when we see in the world some sort of struggle, some need for God to intervene, use his power, use his authority, how is he going to do that? The way he does it is through his command, through his word. God works through his word. He upholds all things by the word of his power. That means God's word is filled with God's life, is filled with his nature. That's one thing about God. He's not a liar. He doesn't say things that don't mean anything, that don't matter. When he speaks, you're getting him. The Bible says Jesus was what? The Word made flesh. So when God speaks, he is in the Word that he has spoken. When you receive that Word, you receive him. So God's power flows through his Word. Have you ever noticed uh, in the Bible that the Bible has a but God for every bad situation. There's a but God for every bad situation. Betrayal. You can't go through life for very long without being betrayed. Betrayal. Acts 7 and 9 says, Joseph's brothers were jealous of him, sold him into slavery, but God was with him. What about uh, deliverance from your enemies? In 1 Samuel 13, 24, the Bible says, Saul hunted David to kill him, but God didn't give David into Saul's hands. What about failure? We all fail. We all experience failures. Psalm 73, 27, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and the, my portion forever. And one more. Let's pull another one out. Condemnation. 
We all know what, how paralyzing condemnation is when we failed, when we've made mistakes. Here comes the accuser, and we're locked down with condemnation. We don't even try again because we, we just know we're not worthy of trying. And, but Romans 6.3 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Look, all of the but God statements in the Bible, they exist because there is a word that is above the words of the world. God is upholding all things with the word of his power. So that means that every miserable condition in the world that is every day kicking out and spawning out curses and words filled with, with fear and with failure and uh, with misery and and all of those things, that toxic cloud that covers the earth with all that negativity, above it, God's still upholding everything. God is still upholding everything. So God made sure that in his word, every one of these conditions in life that reflect the brokenness that sin has brought into the world, there's a but God. And Romans chapter 8 and verse 2 nails it. When Paul writes, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, or the word of the spirit of life in Christ, the word that is the law that's upholding the universe. You know what a law is? A law is something that always works the same way. It's a law because it never doesn't work that way. It's more than an idea. It's not just a principle. It's a law. Sometimes principles don't work, but laws always work. And so, God upholds the universe with the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So Paul writes in Romans 8, 2, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. I couldn't get out from under the law of sin and death. But when Jesus Christ became Lord and I let his words abide in me, that started ending. And a new beginning took over. I realized that above every circumstance of my life where failure was trying to manifest itself, God was there offering me victory. He's that reaching down hand. Somebody say amen. amen. So in every situation involving sin and death, there's always a but God. Hovering just above that situation, waiting for you to sync up with God, with his word, and access its answer. What did Jesus say? Abide in me. Let my words abide in you. You'll ask what you will. God is saying, just sync up. Just sync up. And there is a word of victory that can overthrow every bondage, every situation that Satan is trying to bind your life up with. Remember, everything Jesus promised depends upon you syncing with him in order to manifest now, being in sync with God, what are we really talking about? Let's talk about the mechanics of how this works for just a moment. So being in sync with, with him requires a solid connection between two points. Think again what I said to you in the beginning about what synchronization means. Got, there must be contact, there must be a fit, timing, everything in order for things to be in sync. I had to buy a new transmission for my truck a few years ago. Cost more than the engine, couldn't believe it. The ability to sync up 
was more important than the power of the engine. It was more expensive. That transmission is what causes the power to sink with the wheels. Otherwise, I'm not going anywhere. But when that transmission breaks, there's no sink. You can sit there with your foot on the pedal and just rev that thing all day long. You aren't going anywhere. And sometimes that's what church is. We just get up and sing and do this and do that and everything. We never sync up with God. And so we just put the, our foot to the thing, make a lot of noise, go home. And then we wonder, well, I'm going to look for another church. We're not getting anywhere. Yeah, well, they, you know, if you would sync up with God, things would be different. Praise the Lord. You've got to have that transmission. So the mechanics of syncing with God is that there's two points that must come into synchronization. Those two points are heaven. Everyone say heaven. heaven. And, earth. and earth. Now, when you think about those two points, Jesus referenced those two points. The apostle Paul referenced those two points throughout the Gospels. In the New Testament, pray, kingdom come on in earth as it is in heaven. It was constantly those two points, sinking those two points is what, what the Gospels are all about. So those two points, heaven and earth, must be in sync. Remember Jesus said, abide in me, that's, that's heaven, and my words abide in you, that's earth. Um, Jesus called that solid connection abiding. So the word abiding is, is the Bible word that Jesus used to talk about what I'm talking about this morning, syncing, being in sync. So you're not in sync because you own a Bible. You're not in sync because you believe the Bible. You're not in sync because you've got a giant family one sitting on the coffee table. You're not in sync because you go to church. You can go to church, you can walk out of church, not be in sync. So what does it mean to be in sync? The connection. First of all, ab abide in me. That's the heavenly connection. If you're living with your attention and affection and expectation on Jesus, then you're abiding in him. That's what abiding in Jesus is. Your attention is on him. Your focus is on him. Your desire is for him. You go to him for your answers, the solving of problems and issues. He becomes your life. That's abiding in me. So if you want to know how do I abide in Jesus, you don't abide in Jesus because 10 years ago you prayed a prayer. Abiding in Jesus is something, you know, all right, it's 9 o'clock this morning, 10.30, whatever. Am I abiding in Jesus right now? The second thing is the earthly connection. There's got to be an earthly connection. Jesus said, if my words abide in you. So what does that mean? That means that Jesus' word is living authoritatively through your conscience and through your behavior. Your behavior is being guided by the word of God. It's being modified by the word of God. What you think, what you say, what you do is being governed, controlled by the word of God. That is God's word abiding. Jesus said, if my words abide in you. When that happens, beloved, you are synced up with God. Now remember, as I said before, in order to, in order to destroy man, God had to destroy that synchronization between heaven and earth. 
And the only thing he could touch, he couldn't go up and touch heaven. He couldn't deal with, with that part of it. The only thing he could deal with is our end. Are you letting God's word abide in you? That's where he focuses every bit of his warfare, all of his strategy, everything, every crazy thing going on in the world is all designed with the same tactic, the same goal that he had when he marched into the garden as the serpent and spoke to Eve. Get her and her husband to doubt the word of God and then disobey it. And that's it. The sink will be broken. All the truth that heaven holds, all the reality will still be there, be unchanged, but it's now not having any impact on the earth. You see what I'm saying? It's not working in your house. Is it working in your house? Is what's real in heaven, is what's true in heaven, are you experiencing it in your family? Are you experiencing it in your relationship? Are you experiencing it in your life? If you are experiencing it, it's because you're in sync. If you're not experiencing, something's wrong with the synchronization. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, let's bring this thing down to some conclusions. First of all, Jesus knew. He knew that heaven's answers to earth's needs required the kingdom of God to be restored. God's authority through his lordship had to be restored. Man was his ambassador, his best friend, his partner in this physical world. That kingdom need to be brought back into place. Well, the kingdom is brought back into place when the authority of his word is established. Remember, God, God expresses his power, his authority, through what? His word. Through his word. Where his word is not understood, not loved, not appreciated, not guiding, the kingdom is not working. The kingdom's not flowing. God's authority works only where his word is received. You know, the parable of the sower, that's why Jesus said it was the greatest of all parables. He said to his disciples, you don't understand the parable of sowing the word into good ground and it bearing fruit and producing the kingdom of God. If you don't get that, he said, you'll never get any of the parables. That's why it's just ridiculous for the social activists to run around with a hair on fire. Um, and the only thing they know in the Bible is Peacemakers shall be the children of God, or whatever. God is love, and, and people need And they like to go to the Sermon on the Mount and cherry-pick their favorite little things. They have no idea who Jesus is. They have no idea what he's all about. They just like some of the flowery phraseology because it fits their narrative. And so that's why it is so absurd for them to want and expect God and expect the results of God's word to be shown in the world when there's no authority working. There's no power. There's no kingdom in operation. And so the kingdom of God, in order to come back into operation, his word must be received. And um, that's why Jesus said, if you don't get the parable of the sower, you're not going to get anything because all of this goodness, all of all that I created you for is only going to fill out and come to pass if you receive my word into good ground and it produces fruit. Remember, fruit is not a work. It is the result of abiding. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 has been one of my favorite 
It says, we never stop thanking God. He's writing to the Christians in Thessalonica, Paul is, and he says, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, <clears throat> you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And the word continues to work. Everyone say work. And the word continues to work in you. That phrase at the end is the phrase I want to bring your attention to. Paul said, you received, when we preached you the word of God, the gospel, you received it as the word of God. So that was great. You could see the, they, the, the authority of God's word and the results of his kingdom were able to work in them because they received the word as the word of God. But at the end, he uses this phrase that's very critical. He says, and that word continues to work in you. That word work is the old um, Greek word energio. We get the word energy from it. So what Paul is actually saying is when you receive the word of God as the word of God, it brings heaven's energy. All this nonsensical talk today about we need clean energy. And all of the debates about energy and we're depleting the world of energy and all this nonsense. God made this world to last forever. And it's arrogant for people to think that they're going to squeeze the last drop out of it. And they're going to have to go find a way to go to the moon and live or something. So, but the point is that the word energy is what, God, is what Paul had in mind when he said the word is energizing you. It's providing energy. When you receive the word of God, you receive in that word the energy of God to fulfill it. The word of God is self-fulfilling. If you receive it in faith, you stand upon it, you act on it, you put it out there, you decree it, you declare it. That's how the authority of heaven works through your life. So in every situation, here's a practical application of what that means in your life. In every situation, God has a word pregnant with his power, full of his will, ready to go to work for you, just waiting for a sower to speak it and follow it. And that, that sower should be you. That's my recommendation. So, um, because Jesus was the Word made flesh, He manifests the kingdom of God. That's why the kingdom of God was in manifestation. Jesus would go into a village. Demons would just start jumping out of people, going, please don't, please don't destroy us. Why? Because when Jesus walked in, the kingdom walked in. And so... The spiritual forces realized it, that Jesus was the king and the kingdom was sitting on his shoulders. So because Jesus was the word made flesh, wherever the word of God is active and working, the kingdom of God is there. That's what, that's what brings the impact of the kingdom of God. Now, 1 John 3, 8 says, for this cause... The Son of God, Jesus, was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. That's one of my favorite. I love that. Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So look, 
What that means is that when you abide in Jesus and his words abide in you, you're synced up with the kingdom of God and you will destroy the works of the devil. He can try, but you'll make him sorry he did. And after a while, when he sees you coming, he'll cut across the other side of the street. He won't mess with you. Hebrews 3.1 says, Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. We'll give you another Greek word. That Greek word is homologia. Homologia. It literally takes two words, and homo, which means same, logia, which means the word, and it literally means, put them together, to say the same thing. To say the same thing. So the Bible says, Jesus is the apostle, the one who is sent, and the high priest presiding over your confession, your homologia. So when you're in a situation and you're tempted to say, where's God? Ask yourself, where's your confession? Because where your confession is, if his word is abiding in you, the apostle and the high priest will show up. So it doesn't show up because you own a Bible. It doesn't show up because you go to church. It doesn't show up. Miracles don't happen. The victory isn't attained because you're a Christian. It happens because out of your mouth, you're saying the same thing. When you say the same thing that God says and you feel the same way about it as God feels, there's what? A synchronization. There's a flow. Then you're operating in authority. The kingdom of God is wherever synchronization is taking place. So kingdom authority comes from being in sync with Jesus and his words abiding in you make you to know what you have. An example of synchronization took place in uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 6, shortly after Jesus rose from the dead. Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray the hour of prayer. How many of you remember the story? And there was a lame man laying at the gate, begging for alms. And he sees Peter, and he's begging for alms. And Peter comes up, and he walks up to him, and he says, Well, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, and he pulled on his arm, and he jumped up, and they went walking and praising God, leaping into the temple. He was immediately healed. So, First, uh, excuse me, Acts 3 and 6 was a sink. It was the manifestation of a sink. Peter didn't work a miracle. Peter got synced with a miracle. Do you see the difference? And so when we walk in sync, God's word abides in us. What is the effect that that has? When God's word is abiding in you, it makes you to know who you are, and it makes you to know what you have. Peter said, such as I have, I give to you, didn't he? You see, we've tried to get people healed by using the same kind of words, in the name of Jesus, and you've put a little Pentecostal growl to it, go, ah, in the name of Jesus. But nothing happens. It's not the words. It's not how you say them. It's in your heart. His word is alive in you. You know what you have. You know what you have. When you take him by the hand, you know there's that inside. I am giving you what I know I have to give you. Praise God. 
That is the synchronization I've been preaching about this morning. God wants to bring all of us to a point where we know what we have and we can give it. 